0: Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 25th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle?
1: Doing great. How about you?
0: Doing great. We were just talking about uh, getting to see the Missouri State Bears uh, last week. Yeah, We did. <laughs> Unfortunately, Um, it wasn't their game against uh, Indiana State. It was the one against Valparaiso where they got demolished.
1: They got demolished. They got smoked.
0: Then, of course, they go right back out and win a nice game against Indiana State. Yeah, they did. Get on ESPN and.
1: Maybe not see any
0: of
1: it. No. Try to support our local sports teams, but they let us down.
0: Shout out to uh, Revel Advertising for the hookup. Oh, yeah. On the tickets. Um, We've got a pretty good episode this week. we got lots of news and a lot of basketball to talk about. So we'll start off with some news. Uh, First, we've got NFL stuff to talk about. Um, DeMaria Crockett has entered the NFL draft, or he is going to enter the NFL draft. He will not be playing his senior year at Missouri.
1: Yeah, I think that was definitely a surprise to most people. (laughs) It was to me. Um, I was pretty much only looking out for one announcement, and that was Albert Hill. We'll get to that in a second, but uh, I really didn't think that there would be anyone else on this team that would even be close to uh, leaving. And he didn't get a good draft grade from whoever does those grades. He did not get a first or second round grade, and he didn't... I don't think he did enough at Mizzou to warrant uh, leaving early with all of his injuries. So I think he's talented enough, but I don't think he actually did enough to warrant a early departure
0: so let me introduce a segment within a segment um it's called um conspiracy theory time okay i have said in the past that i think it's strange when players announce that they're leaving early for the draft when it's pretty obvious by all accounts that there's not really a market for them um we saw this with henry josey And that one made a little bit more sense because there was injury concerns that if he that that was basically his best shot. If he if something if he came back to Missouri and something happened, then he would have messed up his best opportunity. Mm -hmm.
1: I believe he also has a son that was he was just hoping to do anything he could to provide for him probably right off the bat. uh,
0: Get a nice little paycheck even if it's in Canada or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But same thing with Crockett where it's just like. I have a conspiracy theory that is not very well founded but it's just like is there something about just having depth at a position where a coach just doesn't really mind if a guy like Josie or Crockett moves on to the NFL it sounds ridiculous because of course you'd like to have that talent back but sometimes I wonder it it doesn't make sense that's why it's a conspiracy theory but Uh, well I would agree with
1: you on the other side of the coin maybe that because there is a lot of depth at, the, depth at the position, Crockett just maybe didn't feel like there was a spot for him anymore. He, he might have felt like he was, I don't know, I, I, I really have no idea. There may be something going on behind the scenes. There may be nothing at all. But it was pretty obvious that by the end of this season, and probably way before that, that Larry Roundtree was number one guy. Even when Crockett was, was healthy and playing, it was pretty obvious Roundtree was, is the number one trusted running back. So I don't know if Crockett was just like, all right, fine, screw it, I'm out of here. I don't know. That's, just, that's complete speculation mm-hmm. on my part. He may have a great attitude, a great reason to leave. I have no idea. But I would say there's probably some kind of something going on because – I, I just feel like he would he would be coming back if he truly really wanted to be a part of this team.
0: So that's uh, something that's been in the back of my mind for years. Just that that one specific conspiracy theory. So just keep that in mind when you see some of these announcements and think. And
1: I would just, say that you're, you may be onto something. I mean, obviously, like you said, they would love to have Crockett come back, but it's you would probably doesn't so. hurt them as bad as maybe other departures might. Okay. Uh, departure that
0: probably would have hurt much worse is uh, if Albert O would have gone to the draft, and thank goodness he is back for his junior season.
1: Yeah, it's definitely exciting news considering we don't have a whole lot of depth in the tight end position right now of proven guys with, you know, uh, Bland leaving and uh, and stuff like that. So um, Swenson coming off of injury. Right, yeah. so that's definitely huge and gives Kelly Bryant another option next year, proven option.
0: As far as uh, NFL or Mizzou players who are securely in the NFL draft, uh, Terry Beckner Jr. has been invited to the NFL Combine, which is exciting for him. He'll get to show some of his raw
1: ath- athleticism. That's the word. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool. That's, I think that's a big honor for Terry Beckner. Um, I I think that he he obviously came to Mizzou very highly recruited and highly rated. Um, had a couple injuries, um, but ha- had a solid career. I don't think he, you know, hit up just a grand slam of a career at Mizzou. He wasn't, you know, a household name of superstars in college football or anything. But um, I-, I think he's still going to be, you know, a solid third or fourth round pick in this draft. So I-, I-, I was a little bit surprised maybe that he got a an invite to the combine with how deep the the defensive line position is in this draft. So mm-hmm. uh, really good, really good news for him.
0: I'm not sure how exactly that works, um, as far as getting that invite. Perhaps um, some NFL teams had interest in him, and you know that swayed that or that caused that invite to go out. Because if teams are interested in a guy, they definitely want to see him take part in those drills alongside all the other top names.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I've, I don't really know exactly how that process works either, but definitely a, a cool thing for him
0: a uh, few more football stories here um alabama quarterback jalen hurts has officially entered the transfer portal now first before we get into this have you heard the term transfer portal before this offseason i
1: have but okay. it, ha- it seems like it's been used a lot i feel like maybe <laughs> i've heard it more in basketball than in football but as i understand i think it's an actual thing and a own, physical a portal. physical <laughs> is it like blackboard in school where you'd like sign into the portal and it's like ah oh, now i'm in i'm thinking I, it's more
0: like rick and morty like a portal uh, yeah you i think enter it's uh, like you get, get a <laughs> you get a portal <laughs> transports you to the next school of your choice yeah i think it's like a black
1: hole that they've kept the <laughs> secret location of somewhere but no i'm just kidding i actually i know cameron i think you're right that there actually actually some actual kind of list, list or website yeah. that only really? coaches can access that hmm. has the names of all that these they're people officially
0: on it. transferring correct that makes sense I had never heard transfer portal before. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you think uh, Mizzou jumped the gun on getting Kelly Bryant and should have held out for Jalen
1: Hurts? 100% not. <laughs> uh, was that a joke? Yeah, that was Okay, a joke. I was like, what? Okay, no, I, I actually was going to uh, to say something about the Barstool Mizzou account. I'm sorry if somehow someone that loves that account is listening to this podcast, but I'm just going to like publicly shame this account. I don't know who runs this account, but there's a lot of like head-scratching tweets that come from that. Uh, account but one thing I saw today was they saw uh, in response to the Jalen Hurts news they said why not us? Oh I know. I'm like, what? <laughs> like uh, I, I don't think that was a joke. I think they were one hundred I don't know.
0: I I kind of feel like maybe they were I don't just, know. Just playing up the transfer you maybe so meme. But- I'm from Missouri. Like,
1: well, I can tell you why not us. If you really <laughs> want to go there,
0: <laughs> I, I just I saw a really nice Photoshop of him in a Penn State uniform. Yeah, and I thought that sounds just great. Get him, just get him far away from, from us. the SEC. Go, well, go to Penn State. I've heard
1: um, Oklahoma could be a potential landing spot if Kyler Murray decides to go on to the draft. Um, obviously, Ohio State's not an option anymore because they right. just got
0: uh, Georgia's right quarterback. Right.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm sure he'll land at some place like that but hopefully not Tennessee. can he go to somewhere in the sec i don't know people don't know. seem to think he can
0: i think he can based on the tweets so yeah.
1: there's what if he went to auburn uh no thank you that'd be crazy the whole like state of alabama would like melt down. yeah i just want him out of the sec yeah that's fine because
0: i feel like he's gonna exact vengeance on any team he comes across from the sec
1: yeah why not us
0: <laughs> um We'll stick with football. Um, Mizzou football is actually getting quite a bit of, quote, way too early love from a lot of news outlets. Um, I've seen them as high as 13th in the way too early rankings. Um, I've seen 24th, 18th. Basically, all the major sites, ESPN, CBS Sports, Sports Illustrated, all have them in a way too early top 25.
1: Yeah. It's literally the most meaningless metric in the history of sports, but... (laughs) I mean, at the same time, though it isn't though because I mean, any publicity we get in a good way is good. And think for the uh, social media accounts to make a exactly, graphic out of. exactly, and it, it just it shows maybe some positive momentum um, to recruits or whatever it is, and it shows that the Kelly Bryant transfer made a splash nationally, and I, I think we already knew that for sure, but uh, this is confirmed definitely that that people respect us for for landing Kelly Bryant. And as much as I hate it, I do think.
0: When it comes around to the preseason polls that come out next year, um, it doesn't matter as much with the college football playoff rankings not coming out till week eight. But I've always thought those initial rankings they matter quite a bit. They do because it, which is should insane, it's ridiculous. But where you start the season matters on like how high you can get. Exactly. I mean, whether you jump a team or something like that.
1: Yep, it it completely matters uh, in your relation to other teams. Exactly. Throughout the year, so yeah, which is weird. You know who else I saw on the way too early list as a potential top twenty-five team next year? Hmm. No, who? Who are you gonna say? <laughs> Not Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> uh, no, nope, but it's another team I really don't like. What if Jalen
0: Hurts went to Kansas to play with less miles?
1: That would be really. That'd be something. Would you put him in your top twenty-five? Nope. Because <laughs> uh, you got to have somebody to throw the ball to and play defense. <laughs> sure. It is actually. Producer Cameron's Nebraska Corn Huskers or whatever their mascot is. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I was a little surprised to see that, but you know they're they're headed in the right direction because they. That is actually surprising.
0: They just just get all the love.
1: Yeah, they always they get all the love. Jeez. Jeez. How dare they? Bandwagon. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just kidding. Sign me up this year. I'll start cheering for them. Yeah.
0: Uh, Last bit of football news here. Mizzou made the top 11 for a 2020 quarterback, Zach Evans, the number one running back in the nation. It's always good to make lists.
1: Exclusive. 2020 quarterback, running back. What did you just say? Running back. Yeah, I think he said quarterback first. Oh, he's That's a, a running guy. back, Zach Evans. Yeah, he is. Uh, is he the one that tweeted... Like he childhood uh, favorite, right? Yeah, so that's Missouri pretty cool. It was a childhood favorite of his. <laughs> I'm sure that that'll be um, really cool to make his top eleven.
0: Yep, and another one is his teammate, uh, offensive lineman Damian George. That a lot of the teams uh, that were on both lists were Alabama, LSU, Texas, Oklahoma. I can't remember a- any big name that you want from kind of the southeast to south, midwest. Where they were all there, all the uh, all the big names. So that's cool but we'll see what happens yeah (laughs) all right uh switching gears to baseball um missouri is retiring the number of uh tiger legend max scherzer current washington nationals pitcher i think that's where he is now
1: yeah i think so he uh yeah definitely a legend you said it um it's very very cool honor he
0: deserves it i've enjoyed rooting for him no matter where he stops
1: yeah seems like a really cool guy and he's decent at baseball
0: yeah. Uh Illinois picked up a pretty big commitment from uh 2019 post player Kofi Cockburn. Um probably I would say the biggest as far as rankings are concerned, the biggest pickup for Underwood in his short time so far at Illinois.
1: Yeah. Uh we watched uh Cockburn play last year in the Tournament of Champions uh, here in Springfield and uh, I mean, he's a talented guy. Uh, he's, he, huge. he's massive. Um, <laughs> I, I think I told you maybe a week or so whenever he first committed that. I think he may have an adjustment period going over uh, to college because he's going to be going against guys who are just as big as he is, and he can't just bully everyone around like he He'll does. Still in high be bigger school. than most because he's, he's still
0: he's still going to be big for a he's college still large, yeah. post player.
1: But so um, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he might be uh, too little, too late for for Underwood. I don't really know. But.
0: Yeah. i I was trying to decide i was thinking about illinois a little bit more after missouri beat them and i was trying to decide if i i don't think i want them to just be terrible right i want if if missouri's gonna be if they're gonna be on missouri's schedule every year i want it to be a decent win if Mm -hmm. missouri's gonna beat
1: them no i I run into that dilemma like every day when i'm looking at college basketball scores because Mm -hmm. i want illinois for the sake of our you know tournament chances we need all of our teams that we've played and beaten to do as well as they can so it makes our win look better right so that part of me knowing Mizzou's probably going to be in the bubble wants illinois to be good but the fan in me is like you know what i don't really you know we can sacrifice uh a a little bit of rpi or whatever and then getting a five-star
0: center it's kind of like oh i don't
1: know if i really like that too much right uh yeah maybe well not not that good yeah of uh recruiting rankings so but as far as rankings go they have really assembled some pretty impressive uh, talent over there so see if they can get all of them to stay mm-hmm. and see if <laughs> Underwood can stay
0: yeah uh last bit of news I have here in case you didn't know uh Lauren Aldrich of the Mizzou women's basketball team first of all shout out to them uh getting a big win over Tennessee we don't cover them quite as much as i as we'd probably like to just because there's so much to talk about with um men's basketball and football but um Lauren Aldrich is probably the most disrespectful person in the world because <laughs> she, quote, disrespected the summit. Did you, I'm, I know you saw this, Kyle.
1: Yes, I've seen it. Uh, hopefully most of our listeners have seen this as well. If you have Twitter, uh, there has been a, a, just a horrifying video of, of <laughs> Lauren Aldrich on, on Twitter, Twitter.com, completely disrespecting the summit
0: and it took me a while to quite figure out what uh, this tweet was referring to when it said that she disrespected the summit but they are referring to the court in on which uh tennessee plays their home games tennessee lady volunteers so Mm
1: -hmm. obviously in reference to pat summit we both knew that but i guess yeah we didn't know that their court was named after her okay Okay. the
0: video if you haven't seen it is literally lauren aldrich clapping a little too close apparently I think she maybe the briefly bench.
1: made eye contact with the coach or the bench and I don't know if it was intentional or unintentional I don't really care either way it did not seem egregious or out of line but I'm also a Mizzou fan yeah but honestly it seems it's the most insane overreaction I think I've ever seen the it it basically
0: yeah the the, the tweet that first brought it to my attention said that you know she disrespected the summit and it's literally just a video of her clapping i want to try to find it so i can show oh, okay producer cameron look at how egregious this disrespect is
1: that's unbelievable have you ever <laughs> seen disrespect like she that should be ashamed in a sporting event it's truly ridiculous <laughs> but what why don't is- we i think i've seen a few people use this argument on twitter and i think i could probably agree with it but I, and maybe it's just because we've all watched men's basketball probably a lot more. But why are the women not held to the same standard? Because I see that happen in men's games like literally maybe every single game I've ever watched. Yeah. Like somebody well, claps because they're happy about a call or whatever it is.
0: And it, it is even if it's like uh, this is such a dumb conversation. But even if it's like an aggressive clap or something like you're clapping at someone mm-hmm. to try to like make them feel bad that is so benign you're still just clapping at a person yeah maybe
1: yeah and, it's and, utterly ridiculous that we have to have this conversation and it's insane that the mizzou women's basketball team has just gone on this tirade of making everyone so angry and yeah, last SEC. year it was
0: south carolina yeah. and, it, and it ended up involving um the athletic director jim stir got yeah. sued over it
1: like <laughs> what i don't even what even happened in that whole thing Shen uh, dig. it was
0: a it was a big deal between um, South Carolina's coach Don Staley, er, and I, I'm not exactly sure what happened. I don't even remember the details of it anymore, yeah. but she wasn't happy. Mizzou's side wasn't happy.
1: I don't know. But I just know that I've seen Mizzou's women's basketball team, literally be called like a dirty team and stuff like numerous times. Oh,
0: okay, so this is where it gets crazy. In the replies to that original tweet, there are some gems from some Tennessee fans. <laughs> One Tennessee fan wants the SEC to do something.
1: Oh, yeah. I they saw literally that one. tweeted,
0: do something, SEC. And then uh, a reply to that, seriously, the two largest fan bases in the SEC have complained about this girl for two seasons, and yet she is still on the court. So they're confusing her with Sophie Cunningham. <laughs> they think she's the same person. Yeah. And they uh, apparently this person wants her off the court because she's complaining that she's still on the court.
1: I seriously I do that exact one you just said like this girl you know that one i wrote out like an incredibly inflammatory tweet like with the (laughs) with our podcast twitter account and like just destroyed this person's like entire humanity and then i was like yeah i better just not yeah so i deleted it but i had it all typed out just like uh, oh my god i was about to go to town on that girl angela says that behavior is just gross and you know that if tennessee won this game like nothing would have ever happened or been mentioned this is my favorite one from
0: boss chick on twitter (laughs) disrespectful little girl someone should
1: have checked her face out fist emoji oh my god that's so (laughs) insane you're suggesting (laughs) someone should punch her in the face like because what
0: if you want to be entertained go look there are some there are some reasonable people in that thread saying like she didn't do anything like you're mad about clapping, right. but if there is if you want to be entertained go check out that twitter thread for a little bit if you
1: are a tennessee fan and you're you're enraged about the situation well i'd like to have a conversation with you so please reach out to us <laughs> <laughs> we, we will be email us civil with you, you can find this podcast <laughs> at-
0: we, we want to hear we will give you a platform to explain why that was so disrespectful we will hear you out I think that's all I've got for news.
1: Yeah, I think I'm I'm getting heated, so we okay. better we better we better stop. Let's move on.
0: on. <laughs> We're gonna keep talking about Tennessee though, because they um, demolished Missouri. Is uh, I think an apt way of putting it. Uh, the men's teams played each other shortly after the women's teams had a battle, and. Uh, Missouri lost this one, 87 to 63. I'd like to point out, Kyle and I both picked Missouri to score 63 points uh, when we previewed this game and made our predictions. Uh, we were a little off on Tennessee's score because they they had things going on offense, especially the second half. But uh, it all went downhill. Well, it didn't. It didn't go downhill immediately when Jeremiah Toman got into foul trouble, but. That was just sort of a precursor to things to come. Yeah, maybe and like it, halfway
1: through the sec, the halfway through the first half, yeah. uh, is when things started quickly but, going downhill.
0: Yeah, Tillman, um, I think like yeah, like two minutes into the game, got called for an offensive foul, and then immediately got teed up, and it was kind of ridiculous because right before he got called for the offensive foul, there was I should perfectly. Uh, a zoomed in shot of the ref talking to him about something so you knew the rest were going to be watching him they tossed him the ball on the block he had a pretty good move where he didn't lower his shoulder and then he just kind of lowered his shoulder threw some elbows around to try to spin around got called for the offensive foul then i kind of a weak tee i thought he just kind of dropped the ball on the tennessee player's lap which didn't seem like a big deal but he got teed up for that
1: yeah. So he was out
0: for the rest of the first half.
1: I honestly didn't even see what he got teed up for because I think I was just like looking down like shaking my head for like 5 minutes. He just minutes. turned away.
0: He turned away to run down the other side of the court and just like let the ball kind of fall out of his hand and it landed in the Tennessee player's lap who was sitting on the floor.
1: Yeah. It it certainly looked like the ref said, "Hey, don't do this." And then he did it. Yeah. And I felt like I could I just felt it coming on before the play even happened. Yeah. And that kind of thing from Tillman is just really frustrating mm-hmm. because he he really has like gotten better this year um he is he plays an even more important role on this team than last year he has to understand i have to be on the floor if we have any chance at winning this game we probably mm-hmm. don't have a chance at all anyway but if we do have any shot i've got to play my best game and i can't play nine minutes right like he yeah did.
0: so coming off of uh sec player of the week where he had double doubles and looked really good in his last two games, uh, he has committed ten fouls in 21 minutes, and seven total points, and three total rebounds.
1: We, I mean, we've talked about his fouls quite a bit. We've tried to like analyze: is is this his fault? Is he, you know, being conspired against or whatever it is? And it's just that kind of mindless play that I think just builds to his um reputation with the refs among well, the league and he and doesn't
0: have those fouls to give away. He's right. going to earn four three or four fouls just that are a legitimate normal play, right? So he can't put himself in a situation where he's he's giving he's inviting them to call fouls yeah. when the, all the attention's on him and then to I mean, I don't know. He's just I gotta still gotta think the T f- was weak. It was a weak call, but just <laughs> Just remove yourself completely from the situation. Right. Just don't even touch the ball in that he's situation. He's got
1: to develop himself physically, but also just have the presence of mind to, to know when to just let go.
0: Yeah. It'll improve, though. I mean, he'll have stretches where he plays awesome and yep. he's got his mojo going. So uh, I think we'll just keep seeing that inconsistency in until, until we don't. So we just can't count on it yet. Um, Mizzou was hot early, though. Jordan Geist uh, led them to an early lead. Um, that coincided with Grant Williams picking up two early fouls as well he was had a really cold shooting night Um, but unfortunately Mark Smith and Javon Pickett picked up two fouls in the first half as well so it just it was pretty obvious that the lead that Missouri was building was not sustainable because they got into the bonus early the individual players were in foul trouble that we needed to have on the floor and um Missouri was forcing some turnovers against a team that doesn't turn the ball over. They actually built a nine-point lead, which was the uh, biggest deficit Tennessee had faced so far this season. Um, That was capped off with a per-year dunk on a really nice find from Jordan Geist. With seven minutes left in the first half, they were up by nine. But then things went downhill. Uh, Tennessee... Went on a 24 to 4 run in the first half. And the the first the halftime score was 42 31, Tennessee.
1: Yeah, this game was super fun to watch. Like early on, I was getting freaking pumped up oh, in my living too. room. I was yep. going crazy.
0: <laughs> that first 13 minutes. Yeah,
1: it's, it was so fun. And uh, so, speaking of inconsistencies, uh, that is what we found in this game. Uh, and just, yeah, all the fouls, like it seemed like the refs were. I hate complaining with the refs, uh, <laughs> but it's just like, oh, honestly, from both sides, they just were so committed to calling these weird offensive fouls and like yeah. technical fouls. Like both sides have like all of these weird fouls called on them. And um,
0: I thought overall the the refs did a pretty good job. I thought one weird thing, it seemed like for some reason they did not want to call a foul on um, Kyle Alexander.
1: Yeah, he, he had like
0: zero had fouls. Zero <laughs> fouls and seventeen rebounds. Yeah, and. He was flying in on some of those, and mm. I don't know. I think there was a few over the back calls that went missed yeah. on him. I had no Just, reason not to. He yeah. was
1: not being held in check whatsoever. Right.
0: Um, but I mean it was really fun. The Geist hit two threes, Pickett hit a three, Santos hit a three, pinson had got to the rim. They were making free throws. Everything looked great there for a while. Getting stops kind of frustrating Tennessee a bit. But
1: that run <laughs> it was just crazy yeah you and felt it, the momentum shift i think there was like a timeout called at one point and pretty much everything that happened after that timeout went against us i mean what we had like a nine point lead i think you said mm-hmm. and then it just very quickly diminished and tennessee never looked back yeah they
0: it, and it, they were just getting to the rim at will the, the rest of the first half and the entire second half they were getting out in transition um, Missouri could not stop them couldn't even slow them down on in transition mm-hmm. I mean they were even getting they got a couple transition baskets off of Missouri makes yeah which you know is a sign that you just can't do anything yeah on I defense
1: mean, literally the Tennessee player would would they would inbound the ball and that guard that caught the ball would literally score before Tillman was back to the basket yeah. like turn around <laughs> yeah. like was it Jordan Bone? is that there oh yeah their guard that's just incredibly fast fast. yeah Yeah, he would he just flies yeah and he's got
0: good size i mean there might be four nba players on this tennessee team i mean i don't think any of them will be any nba stars but guys that could that will be around in summer leagues and uh, maybe get two-way contracts and i think jordan bone's one of them because his quickness is elite and he's got pretty good size for a point guard Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i mean besides the fact that they were destroying us this team is honestly really fun to watch and they're so so good yeah and we knew that coming in I mean it's it's very obvious that Tennessee is very clearly a top five team maybe a top three team in the country they could hang with anybody and they have
0: yeah and the crazy thing about this is they basically just they beat Missouri by 20 without basically without Grant Williams I mean <laughs> he was out there but he didn't really contribute much at all he right. was awful shooting. And even Schofield, he had a really slow start. I mean, he hit a three at the very beginning and had a few more garbage time points. He ended up with 16 points somehow.
1: Yeah, he really, but, like you said, he scored half of those in garbage time. Yeah, now. a
0: really quiet 16 points. And I thought um, Pickett did a good job defending him in the first half. Geist defended him some and did a decent job. Uh, it was just the guards getting out in transition was mm-hmm. just crazy. They had so
1: much depth. Yeah,
0: just knifing into the lane for layups, dumping it off to Alexander for dunks. That was huge. Not having Tillman in here, to, in there to guard Alexander. I mean, Conzo tried to go small some. It was kind of interesting that he had practiced all those small lineups against Moorhead State because they definitely got put to use knows, to some extent. He
1: knows they're going to have to use him, and they and did.
0: It just uh, seems like he doesn't think he can rely on Nico, which understandably he definitely can't. Nico could be serviceable just to give Tillman a breather every now and then, but he can't. He can't give you twenty solid minutes at the five spot.
1: No, and apparently neither can Mitchell Smith because he only played five minutes and they were only in garbage time. Right.
0: Yeah. Conzo uh, elected to go small with um, Perrier and Santos on the floor. Santos, I thought he did as much as you could ask for him in this situation where yeah. it's like, well, we're gonna call on you for some meaningful minutes here it's and. M- He didn't make any egregious errors. He played decent defense. I mean, the team as a whole didn't play great defense. I mean, especially when you look at the fact that Tennessee shot sixty two percent on two pointers in the game, but
1: Yeah, their offensive efficiency for the whole year though is just like out of this world. One of the very best in the country. Um yeah, I thought Santos I was fairly impressed with him. I thought he brought like an interesting element to the team. He's almost like a more versatile, skilled, like Kevin Perrier, mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, had a nice looking three and had a nice, uh, drive to the basket from the three point line. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really pretty smooth. And, uh, yeah, yeah he's I, I got a good
0: shot when he catches it in, in rhythm, in rhythm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. He, he looked good for sure. So I, I would like to, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play more minutes going forward.
0: Yeah. And he's just a, just a sophomore. So, mm-hmm. and hasn't played in forever. So, um, a lot of people on the internet are kind of Dogpiling on Kevin Perrier right now. Um, It seems like it's the start of um, conference season, so we got to talk about how Kevin Perrier isn't cut out to play this this many minutes against uh, a power five conference team. And to some extent, people have a point. um, But we know this, like yeah, nothing new here. (laughs) If Conzo had his way, Kevin Perrier would not be in this situation. Jonte Porter would be playing 30 minutes a game, and we all know that Cam um, Anderson was putting players in positions that did not make sense for them. Yeah. So it's just like it wasn't Cullen Van Leer's fault when he was playing so many minutes and not getting the job done. It is not necessarily all on Kevin Perrier that he's just outmatched in some of these, in some of these games. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about two of the best front court players in the country, in the sec, if not the country in Williams and Schofield and, I don't know what you expect Perrier to do there.
1: Yeah. It's just, like you said, we, we know who Perrier is. We've we've seen him play for three and a half years. Like, I'm not sure what you're expecting at this point. And, yeah, it, sometimes it is. It's frustrating watching him out there um, unable to to score at an elite level or maybe sometimes get his, he get, shot, get shots blocked. Right. Mm. And, yeah, he sometimes looks a little unathletic, mm-hmm. but um, – I don't know. It just he does not deserve, like, the hate that he gets. No. Same thing with Geist, kind of like before this year got a lot of it. But especially of anyone on this team, Kevin Puryear deserves it so much less. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. He's just he's done everything he possibly can for this program for the last four years. It's just if you uh, can hold your tongue on this one, it's probably.
0: If you've got a fan account on Twitter, let's try to be positive. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's only only one game in the conference season. not cool he doesn't have a lot of games left in a mizzou uniform so let's try to make them happy games um tillman wasn't completely out of the game he did have another chance in the second half to basically start anew but i mean he was on the floor for seven minutes in the second half Mm -hmm. so Uh, just kept fouling and i thought I mean, a couple of them were questionable, but that's going to happen every single game. Yeah, his fifth so,
1: foul is definitely pretty questionable, yeah. but it just so didn't matter at that point. Yeah. Um, as far as good things go in this game... Let's hear it. I was blown away by Geist in oh, yeah. the first half. Man, he just is so confident, so tough, like, shoots. He's, he's such a good shooter right now. He's just hitting everything, and even just he's finding guys. And uh, sometimes... The ball doesn't move as well as it could when he's in there. But uh, speaking of the ball moving, definitely though, is uh, Xavier Pinson. Uh, He he can make that happen. And I was blown away by his play in this game, too. I thought both
0: of them were excellent. I mean, when the whole team, the team as a whole, they shot 36% from three, but two of those were just breakdowns and Jordan Geis having to throw something up at the shot clock. So take two of those away and you're looking at near 40% on the game, which is great. And I mean, Penson's ability to get to the rim, I think is the best on the team. I mean, Geist is up there, but in traffic, the way Penson's able to just kind of knife his way in there, especially Mm -hmm. isolation at the end of shot clock. I think when, when he's out there without Jordan Geist, if there's, if we're in a situation where the play has broke down and you're under 10 seconds left in the shot clock, I say just isolate um, Penson at the top of the key and let him try to get to the rim. Mm-hmm. Space everybody out, clear the lane, and let him try to get in there because he does a really good job at it for a somewhat undersized freshman.
1: Yeah, I, I've said this before but I've just been continually uh, pleasantly surprised with, with Penson. Just his shots better than I thought. Uh, his ability like you said to get to the rim is, is great and his passing is just phenomenal. And yeah. I, he, it's it's almost like sometimes he can't just settle for like a normal pass (laughs) but he's I don't know his his vision is fantastic
0: yeah no turnovers in this game which is amazing and honestly the way he's played so far as a freshman has made me more confident in Missouri's ability to not have to they don't have to get a point guard in this uh in the next two classes I don't think because they've got Drew Smith coming in next year and then I I say go all out on the the big name wings in 2020 and 21 because I would be, I think Xavier Pinson can lead the team at the point guard spot mm-hmm. as a junior and senior. Yeah, it's going to be sure. fun
1: to watch him and McKinney play whenever they both have a couple years under their belt.
0: And Josh Christopher and Cam Fletcher. Yeah, right? oh yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, what else have I got here on this Tennessee game? Um, Missouri dropped in the Ken Palm ratings they dropped to nine and four on the season uh, 88th now as we speak in Ken Palm which is a steeper drop than I was expecting after playing such a good team in Tennessee yeah same but that second half was just
1: what were they before that like 74 or 76 mm-hmm. range yeah yeah I was surprised to see him drop down probably ten points yeah
0: man Tennessee is just really good <laughs> Yeah, they're
1: they're going to win the SEC so easily. Yeah. There's no one in the league even close to contending for this league. Yeah, they jumped up to fifth in Ken Palm.
0: And they've got the number four offense, number 19 defense. And every year when it comes tournament time, people always talk about looking at teams that are top 20 in both offense and defense. And mm-hmm. those are the teams that win championships.
1: Right. So, Yeah, I, I definitely I don't want to... I don't know just go crazy about tennessee but i i think they could very easily run the table in the sec with maybe one or two losses and probably get a one seed in the ncaa tournament
0: so it sounds like yep before i get onto this do you have anything about this tennessee game in particular that you want to get off your chest
1: not really okay they were just far outmatched and nothing surprised me really in the second half so so it sounds to me like you might
0: think that this Tennessee team is one of the best teams Missouri has played since joining the SEC.
1: I do, and I think it's a pretty easy call for me. Would you say top five? Yes, I would. Well, I'd like to ju- introduce
0: a segment within a segment where we rank the top five teams that Missouri has played since joining the SEC. Do you have a list ready? So weird that I prepared a list of the top five best teams <laughs> I Missouri has played since joining the SEC. Wow. let we'll just let's talk about them. Um, let me let me. I actually have a list. Okay. In my bag. Let me get it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I actually wrote these things down, and then I actually totally forgot to bring it with me. So I'm gonna have to remember it off the top of my head. Um, I wrote down the specific years because obviously that's important. So that'll be the tough part of remembering it. But I think I can get pretty close okay
0: so obviously we planned this ahead of time um and we want to do an honorable mention for non-scc teams that missouri has played in the last few years that were really good and i will start it off with arguably the very best team on this list in 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 its entirety which is the 2012-2013 louisville cardinals yeah they were number one in Ken Palm when they beat Missouri in the battle for Atlantis. They beat Missouri 84-61. And this was a decent Mizzou team. This wasn't a yeah. Ken Anderson Mizzou team. And they went on to be national champions that year. They have a few names that you might remember. Russ Smith was the Ken Palm player of the year that year. They had Peyton Siva, Shane Mahanen, Gorgie Jang, Luke Hancock, Montrez Harrell, and Kevin Ware.
1: Jeez, that was such a stacked team. I remember that. They were so everybody remembers kevin ware yeah absolutely yeah he was like the least significant role like player on that entire list you just named but everyone knows him the most but that was a crazy team and yeah that was definitely number one of my non-conference teams that missouri has played might be it's pretty close between them and another team that we'll talk about here in a second Mm -hmm. Uh, i also wrote
0: down arizona yep uh 2014-15 arizona team um they made the elite eight that year they had pro or 3 pros Stanley Johnson TJ McConnell TJ McGonagall, I almost <laughs> said TJ McConnell and Ronde Hollis Jefferson
1: Yeah that that was also that was number number 2 on my uh, list of non-conference teams That's, I didn't
0: I didn't pick any other non-conference I didn't teams either. So those two sta- stood out the <laughs> Pretty above much the, the rest. other ones
1: that you could have maybe added were uh, the other Arizona teams that right. they played they played two other Arizona teams in addition to the to the one you mentioned they played Xavier a few times mm-hmm but Um, I think
0: those two stand out above the rest. I agree. All right. Should we start from the bottom? Sure. I had trouble deciding who was going to be my fifth team, so I'm going to give my sixth spot. I want to shout out the sixth spot to the 2013-14 Tennessee Volunteers, coached by one Conzo Martin. Or if you're uh, whoever was on the call, the other night in the Tennessee game Kwanzo he called him oh that oh my god I know several times I noticed and, that uh, sidebar I've had enough of Jimmy Dykes and his like
1: mid game like he's such a shooting drills and, that, and stuff and he's such a like old man perspective like some of the things he says is like holy like, crap oh, dude that was looked, like cool 50 years ago i put a tape on a basketball and let's see if it spins i don't even i can't i'm sorry i can't cite like specific examples of i'm just like holy crap you're such an old white man yeah Anyway, he did
0: that whole thing about spinning and my wife turned to me and goes uh, is it good if the basketball spins i'm like oh i don't know it kind of seems like it might be good anyway back to where we're, uh tennessee 2013-14 tennessee coached by Conzo martin this had uh jordan mccray jarnell stokes drone mayman yeah they those are really the sweet 16 really good they team. under probably underperformed during the regular season but um he was able to get a sweet 16 finish out of them that might pretty impressive
1: yeah the best team Conzo martin has had at anywhere mm-hmm Did that team show up in your top five? It did not. Okay, interesting. Do you want me to say my number five? Yeah, go for your number five. My number five, and I have to apologize again. I wrote these things down and didn't bring it with me, so I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. But my number five was Auburn from last year, which would have been 2017-18. They destroyed Mizzou at at home, uh, in Columbia that is, and uh, went on to be a four seed, I believe, in the NCAA tournament and lost in the second round.
0: Yeah, thirteen and five SEC season. Um, yeah, lost in the second round to Clemson.
1: They they were really really good at one point in the year. I think they were like yeah. a top five team. At one top point 10 they team. were twenty one and two with a
0: nine and one SEC record. Yeah. Um, did they win the SEC last year or did Tennessee? It was
1: a tie. Okay.
0: At that's the top right. of the standings between them and Tennessee.
1: Yeah, they were they were a pretty fun team to watch. Really good offensively.
0: Uh, my number five was Kentucky from two thousand thirteen and fourteen. I was trying to decide between them and the Tennessee team. Uh, but that Kentucky team, kind of had, a, like the Tennessee team, had a lackluster regular season for their standards. They went 12-6 and six in the SEC. But they went on a crazy run in March as the eight seed. They beat 1-seed Wichita State, 4-seed Louisville, 2-seed Michigan, and 2-seed Wisconsin before losing to UConn in the national championship game. I remember that. And that was... It's like
1: Julius Randle. Julius in- Randle
0: um, in his... One year in Kentucky, and the uh, Harrison yep. brothers were freshmen that year. I remember they that. ended up coming back, as we'll find out later.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You want to go for your uh, number four?
1: Yes, uh, I. Uh, <laughs> this is what made this difficult about not bringing my list was I don't know what year it was, but Just I go for it and I'll help. I'll okay, fill my the fourth gap. place team was Kentucky. Okay. It, but it wasn't
0: that team that you just mentioned. It was probably 2016, 2017 Kentucky with Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, Isaiah Briscoe, and Bam Adebayo. You are correct. That's that's that was that's your number four
1: team. Yeah, that was like uh, also my number fourteen. Very cool. That was uh, not like the best college team I ever watched, but as far as like NBA talent, holy crap, Incredible. that team was stacked.
0: Malik Monk was uh, SEC Player of the Year that year. They went 16 and two in the SEC and made the Elite Eight yeah. in the tournament that year. They were really fun to watch. And I thought that possibly they were going to beat Missouri by 80 points
1: <laughs> when they <laughs> played them that year.
0: And luckily, I don't think it was quite that bad. But Was
1: that the year that they really did beat them by, like, 50? No, never mind. That was a different year. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'll give you my number three real
0: quick. Okay. And it is... 2018-2019 Tennessee Volunteers.
1: Same. Wow. I bet we have the same exact list after this. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we just talked a little bit about uh, that Tennessee team. Yeah, you know a little bit about them. My second place team was Florida.
0: Oh, maybe from 2013, 2014. I think that's it. With uh, Casey Prather, Scotty Wilbekin, Patrick Young, Dorian Finney Smith, Casey Correct. Hill.
1: And they went to the Final Four that year. They did. Lost to UConn, who was like an eight seed and went in, went on to win mm-hmm. the national championship with. Uh, Kimba Walker? No. No, it was. Uh, Shabazz Muhammad? Uh, yes, it was that year.
0: Uh, well, that was the same year no, as. Who's con-
1: Shabazz Muhammad? That's not right. No, no, Shabazz, that's Napier. Shabazz, not, it's, Shabazz Napier. Shabazz yes, Napier, that's right.
0: Shabazz Muhammad played for UCLA yes, yeah. a while back. <laughs> Um, that's the same year. So that UConn team beat Florida and then beat Kentucky in the national championship game. Yep. So the SEC was stacked that season. Uh, Florida went eighteen and zero in the SEC.
1: That I year. had kind of forgotten about that. I was obviously doing some research for this yeah. top five list, and I was like, "That was crazy. wow! I totally forgot that they did yeah. that."
0: Wilbican was Player of the Year. They were really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was number two. Yes. I, it sounds like both of our number ones were the 2014-15 Kentucky Wildcats. Yes, they were number one in Kim Palm when Missouri played them. Uh, they had the number one, number six offense, number one defense, which is just insane to be that high in both categories. Yeah, they, they... beat Missouri 86 to 37 at Rupp Arena.
1: That was the ugliest game I've ever so watched. Bad. I mean, it pretty much Mizzou was playing an NBA team at home, pretty much, yeah. at their place. Uh, yeah, they had like eight-foot-tall Willie Colley-Stein. Uh, <laughs> Carl,
0: Anthony, Carl Towns, Anthony Towns, who's Towns, averaging Devin 28 Booker. and 14 Devin in the Devin Booker
1: didn't even start for them. Nope. Uh, that was just such a crazy, talented Devin Booker talented now team. averaging
0: 28 points per game in the NBA.
1: Exactly. Trey Lyles, Dakari Johnson, Alex
0: Poitras, Tyler Uless. Were
1: the Harrison brothers still yep, on that team? they were sophomores. Yeah, that, insane. I cannot believe they did not win the championship that year. They
0: went 38-0 and 0 before losing uh, to Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker in the Final Four. They didn't even make the championship game because then uh, Duke beat um, Wisconsin in Was the national like, championship.
1: Was that the Jaleel Okafor mm-hmm. year?
0: Yep. Uh, a couple other games of note from that Kentucky season. Early in the season, they beat Kansas 72-40. to 40.
1: I definitely don't remember that. You might
0: remember this one. They beat UCLA 83-44 and held UCLA to seven first-half points. Do you remember that?
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, I had totally forgotten live. about that. I I do remember that now that now that you mention it. But they were just steamrolling people, and they were so much better than everyone else. I can't believe they lost. But Wisconsin was really good too, with Frank yeah. Kaminsky and mm-hmm. Sam, Sam Decker. Decker yeah. yeah, two pros.
0: So Missouri's played some good teams. A lot of them were named Kentucky and Florida. <laughs> I know there was uh, another uh, Florida team that I had as potentially making my list, um, but Missouri beat them that season. Yeah, so, yeah, at uh, home. Yeah. I
1: think Florida was ranked number five
0: at the time. Yep, exactly. Big win for the Tigers that year. Back with uh, that was the
1: year that Mizzou. I think I saw Seth Davis uh, tweet that mizzou would win the ncaa tournament if it were played at mizzou arena right yeah (laughs) and they weren't even ranked or anything at the time i don't think but But it was just like they were so good at home that Mm -hmm. year i don't know if they lost at home all year but they couldn't win anything on the road
0: true but yeah i'll always remember that kentucky team because that was incredible to go 38 0 and then lose in the (laughs) in the final four is pretty crazy Mm -hmm. well that was a fun little diversion yeah from our regularly scheduled activities a little trip down memory lane uh if you want be sure to tweet at us if we miss something yeah i i, I kind of missed. tell us your top five I f- forgot about that auburn team but i i probably i, I would probably pick my uh kentucky team that I, made the i might agree with you i just wanted to game. like make sure there <laughs> were some different names <laughs> in a that little top diversity five in there. <laughs> i got three kentucky teams in my top five yeah but let us know what you think if you uh, think differently but now we will preview a couple basketball games because Missouri will play twice before you get to hear us talk again, the first of which being this Saturday at noon against South Carolina. Not, not South Carolina. Not 1 o'clock, but not, noon. Right, exactly. Um, South Carolina is kind of strange so far this season. They are 7-7 seven and seven overall, but 2-0 and oh in conference play. They are number 108 in Ken Palm, but they have so far beaten Florida at Florida and Mississippi state in overtime.
1: Oh, so SEC season has already been so whack. Like, yeah. like what in the world's going on? And, uh, I, I don't think I could, pre- I, I don't know all these things that have happened. There's no way you could predict them. Yeah. Uh, one predictable one was Tennessee beating Missouri. Yes. I think I saw that coming, but other than that, there's been some crazy. Flashback, occurrences.
0: flashback real quick with me to last season. Um, Missouri started conference play last year by with this game um, at South Carolina they got the win over Frank Martin's Gamecocks in that game this might make you cry but Robertson Barnett and Jonte Porter combined for 13 of 21 from three Mm -hmm. and the Tigers won by 11 Jonte Porter
1: was five of seven from three Oh, man. That if you is, want to cry, go, that was go watch the, really the YouTube sad. highlights actually, of that game. I actually, ironically enough, I did today, and I watched Jonte make oh like gosh. 500 threes. <laughs> uh, yeah, this this was supposed to be one of the most winnable, if not the most winnable road game that Missouri was going to play in this conference slate. Uh, if Missouri is going to make the tournament, they 100% have to win this game uh, because there's just not many opportunities down the road besides maybe winning at A&M maybe Um, at
0: georgia but georgia's looked decent right i mean everybody looks bad against uh tennessee but so
1: in like we've seen the weird things have already happened uh across the league so missouri could probably beat most anybody at any time except for tennessee so uh you never know uh what could happen later this year but at one point i think i maybe saw missouri pulling this game off i'm not sure i see that happening right now
0: it's gonna be a tough one um as strange as it is um South Carolina also lost two games against uh, Stony Brook and Wyoming. Wyoming is ranked 279th in Ken Palm.
1: Stony Brook. So they've got one really good player that I can think of, Chris Silva. Chris (laughs) Silva,
0: he is good. He is, like the rest of their team, inefficient on offense. They do a good job getting to the free throw line, um, but their offense is very pedestrian uh they're ranked 164th so it should not be anything that scares you um they've got uh i believe he's a freshman guard aj lawson uh he and silva lead them in scoring at uh, 12 points per game so i'll double check that he's a freshman but
1: yeah silva's definitely the known commodity of this team that's got the experience. I'm pretty sure he was on their team when they went to the final four a few years ago. Uh he's a good player. And what I, I think not that he's going to, you know, go off and score a bunch of points against us, what I'm worried about him is his experience knowing how to get Tillman into foul trouble and taking Tillman out of this game.
0: Right. Yeah. That's that's gonna be interesting because um I'm curious to see how much Silva will play the five spot because they've also got a guy named Kotsar who is six eleven. And he's playing um, over half of the available minutes for them at the five spot. So um, it'll be a tough matchup. It'll be kind of a defensive struggle between Kotsar and Tillman. And I think the same could be said with Silva, even though he's listed at 6'9". He just plays big and he's just crafty on defense and could give Tillman trouble. I think Tillman should be able to do a decent job as long as he stays on the floor and stays out of foul trouble, obviously stays on the field. Sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) he should be able to do a good job of slowing their, uh, interior offense down because they're already, they've been inefficient all this year, but I, and I think Tillman would be able to do a good job at disrupting that because they're not great offensively as it is, but I think they could probably turn around and do the same thing to Tillman. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I gotta say, South Carolina is probably the team in the SEC I know the absolute least about. Um, but I know it's a Frank Martin team, and like I said, weird things happen in the SEC. So, some like a lot of these things that we could talk about in prep for this game could just fly out the window like right. the second the game starts.
0: Yeah, one thing I think that will probably hold true is I would be surprised if Missouri shoots more free throws in this game than South Carolina. Um, they. South Carolina shot 25 free throws against Florida. That was a big part of them getting that win. Um, and they just absolutely clamped down on the Gators on defense because Florida shot 47% from two and 29% from three, and they just couldn't overcome it. But And then again, in the Mississippi State game, the free throws were huge because Mississippi State shot 13 of 23 from the free throw line, so South Carolina gets to the free throw line and they make their free throws at a decent clip. So Missouri's just gonna have to keep pace with them there. And if they, you don't, they don't have to keep pace by matching the number of free throws. You can keep pace with a team by just making Making threes. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think if there's one big area that Missouri as a team could improve on, it's getting to the line more. And I think they showed a graphic in the Tennessee game that Tennessee has like more made free throws than Missouri has, like attempted free throws in the yeah. whole year. Mm-hmm. So, but and when you think about Missouri's yeah. offense, it makes sense. We just shoot a lot of threes. Uh, we get the ball down low to Tillman sometimes, uh, or we shoot a three. That's pretty much how we score. And I'm fine with
0: that. I mean, they've been successful doing that. Right. We have been successful. That's a fairly efficient way to score because you're looking at layups and dunks from Tillman or some guys who have proven themselves to be decent three-point shooters shooting threes.
1: Right. We just don't have someone who really drives consistently. Uh Penson could become that person over the course of the year. Uh Geist can do it. Some Mark, we've seen Mark Smith do it a little bit. Mm. But for the most part, we just don't really have any, anyone on this team that that creates and gets to the
0: to the bucket by himself. Right. Yeah, I think that'll be big though. Penson and Geist getting to the free throw line will be big. Um, If Tillman can stay on the field then him making free throws will be big and I just think I honestly feel decent about this game just because South Carolina's offense is not not that great Mm -hmm. I think Missouri can keep them from scoring very many points
1: so you have a hard time seeing South Carolina pull off three games in a row I do
0: I think um they, they don't force a ton of turnovers, which we always like to talk about. They give up a high three-point percentage. They did they defend the paint incredibly well, like top 25 in the country. Um, but if, if Tillman can get his a little bit and they can just make open threes, I think they will have plenty of open shots from three. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the tempo is played because even though this is a Frank Martin team, they play the uh, 22nd fastest tempo in the country. And usually Frank Martin teams kind of slow it down and, I don't know, bully ball, I think people call it. So it'll be interesting. I think Missouri should probably run with them a little bit because I think they can just... I think Missouri's the better team. So I think if the more possessions, that'll bear out. And if it gets too slow and too much of a slugfest, I think that will enable South Carolina to just kind of hang around.
1: Mm -hmm. I think this theme gets old (laughs) but i agree with you if tillman's on the floor Missouri's a better team if tillman's plays nine minutes a game i'm not sure that's true yeah and i don't want to make too big of a deal about tillman and his individual play but he just creates so much havoc on the inside and gives us creates opportunities for other players on offense on offense so uh
0: and make Make, make your threes, please. Make some threes.
1: Make a couple threes. <laughs> but they've, they've done that all year. They yeah. really haven't had any game where it's just like they make two threes or right. something. So uh, I don't think they'll have an issue with making threes. Um, I think it's, I don't know, if they can just can, can be consistent throughout the whole game. All right.
0: I'm picking Missouri in this one.
1: I wish I had your optimism. <laughs> I am not going oh, to pick no. Missouri in this one. I think it'll be close. It'll be a very close competitive game. I'm going to pick South Carolina.
0: Seventy two sixty seven. Seventy to
1: sixty seven. Is that what you're saying? Seventy two. Oh. Oh. <laughs> seventy two to sixty seven. Gotcha. Um I thought you picked seventy to sixty seven and I was like, that's really close <laughs> to my score. Like, oh you like sixty seven too, huh?
0: Um, I, f- I feel like I should pick sixty-seven, but yeah. Missouri's gonna score more than sixty-seven. You're probably right. Um, Missouri's gonna score seventy-two, and South Carolina is gonna score sixty-seven. Oh my god! Flip it on you.
1: <laughs> That's what I'm going with. It's gonna be like right in the middle somehow. <laughs> they're gonna tie. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're gonna go to overtime at sixty-nine and a half. <laughs> All right. Well.
0: Missouri plays a second game uh, before we get talk again. This one at home against Alabama. Alabama, on paper, is a much tougher opponent than South Carolina. They are ten and four this season, one and one in the SEC, ranked sixty third in Ken Palm, and they do have one more game between now and then. They play a home game against A and M, so they they probably should be two and one in the SEC by the time Missouri plays them on Wednesday. This uh, Alabama game last year was on the road and Missouri got a really big road win that went a long way uh, toward their tournament resume and uh, kicked off a nice little winning streak for them. This year, Alabama has beaten Kentucky at home and lost at LSU just the other night. So do you know much about this Alabama team?
1: Um, I know a little bit.
0: Okay. They no longer have Colin Sexton. I know that. That's a good thing. Yes. Um, they returned basically everybody else from uh, NCAA tournament team last year.
1: Yeah, um, I, I don't really think they, they lost Colin Sexton, but I'm not really sure they skipped the beat here. I think they're going to be just as good or better as, than they were last year.
0: Yeah, um, they were pretty impressive in their win against Kentucky, uh, basically just shooting the ball really well. Um, Alabama shot 43% on 23 three-point attempts. And Kentucky just shot 28% from three, and that was just a two-point win. So uh, Alabama needed every one of those that they got. And then in a nine-point loss to LSU, Alabama only shot 29% on 24 three attempts compared to LSU's 10 of 15 performance. And in both games, Alabama got a lot of trips to the free throw line and made a lot of free throws. So free throw shooting and three-point shooting kept them in in the – Kentucky game and then three-point shooting shot them right out of the LSU game
1: yeah uh, they led for most for a lot of the game against LSU didn't they on the road Um,
0: they were right in it for most of the first half I went back and looked at the uh, winning percentage chart on that game and most of the first half they were right in it LSU went on a big run that kind of put them away and put LSU into the like 98% to win uh for most of the second half but I think when it comes to their offense um they don't shoot a lot of threes in generally but they they kind of have turned it on a little bit so far in SEC play and I think that's just because they're facing more uh a more daunting paint defense than they maybe did in a few of their uh early season matchups in the non-conference but uh, they turn turn the ball over some. They really rely on getting to the basket, whether it's dunks from their post players like uh, Dante Hall, the the X factor. Um, he averages eight points and ten, or sorry, ten points and eight rebounds. Shoots 64% from the floor because he just dunks everything. I think he's got the second most dunks in the country behind Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. So they like getting him the ball where he can just slam it. They all of their wings just are really good at getting to the basket so when we just saw it worries me since we just saw tennessee carve up missouri's defense in transition and just getting to the basket whenever they wanted
1: yeah hopefully Missouri will learn their lesson a little bit um about getting back in transition uh i don't think alabama plays quite as quickly and efficiently as tennessee does no the turnovers
0: definitely are a thing with alabama that is non-existent with tennessee mm-hmm. and i think that's just because these they're younger players i mean. John Petty is a sophomore, and um, he, he, along with Ingram and Tevin Mack, they're just three really versatile wings that can all score, and they basically can guard three positions on defense. So they can play small with um, Hall as the five and basically four guards um, sometimes. So they, once again, this is kind of a trend with all these SEC teams. They give up a high percentage of threes, but – do a really good job in the paint so i um, not quite as good as South Carolina or Tennessee but I just think that's going to be a struggle all season we knew it would be and these SCDs SEC defenses are no joke so when you're looking at a Missouri team that really struggles to score inside that's just going to keep happening as the season moves on which it's not a great thing especially if Tillman's in foul trouble but we'll see if they can overcome that by just finding guys when they're open and hopefully somebody taking the charge and getting to the line or getting to the basket. One good thing about their defense though, they don't force many turnovers.
1: That's big. <laughs> we talk about that. We that is an important stat that we have to observe anytime we ever prep a game. Well, it was bigger early on in this year than yeah. i feel like it's been as as of late they've
0: kind of got that under control for the most part
1: i think so but i also think that it could fly back up and get them in any, sure. at any moment sure but i they've they've improved tremendously uh, in that front
0: a guy you should watch out for kyle is freshman point guard i believe it's pronounced kyra i'm i'm assuming it's not pronounced kira kyra lewis um he's averaging 15 points per game three assists and he shoots nearly 40% from three, and he might be a one-and-done. I think if an Alabama fan heard me say that, they'd say, no, he's not good enough to do that just because they want him back for another season. Mm-hmm. Um, but he might take the Colin Sexton route and go right to the NBA after this year because he's really impressive.
1: Yeah, to carve out 15 points a game, I mean, that's – that's pretty good on a roster full of guys who can score mm-hmm. and are, are proven scorers at this level. So he's got a um, really
0: good size, six three. He's very skinny, as you expect a uh, college freshman to be, but um, shoots the ball well, gets to the paint, is lights out from the free throw line. So
1: yeah, it definitely sounds like Alabama athletically is. Missouri is very overmatched in the athletic department as far as that goes, um, but. They're playing at home. Mm-hmm. I, I think they'll be able to contain the the scoring that Alabama has the ability to do. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you know I'm big on the intangibles yeah. of sports. Yeah. Um, so I think Alabama is going to be riding high after a win against A and M. Mm-hmm. Missouri is going to be coming off a loss against South Carolina. Alabama is not going to be respecting their opponent in Missouri, and I think Missouri's going to whip them. Okay. uh, Because Alabama didn't even see it coming. Oh, my gosh. So Missouri's going to win this game against Alabama. They're going to win 75-69. to
0: Okay. That doesn't sound like much of a whipping, but whatever you say. Um, (laughs) Well, I didn't
1: necessarily mean like... (laughs) destroy them <laughs> oh, but just okay. beat them oh okay is really i guess what i'm what i got I you um
0: man i don't feel like missouri missouri's not gonna they already have lost a home game they're not gonna win every home game from here on out but they'll win most of them which ones will they drop will this be one of them I'm trying to decide I think Missouri can pull this one out, but I think it's going to be incredibly close. I think it's going to be Missouri 80 to 79 in overtime.
1: Holy cow. That'd be nuts.
0: Also, I don't know how to pick basketball scores.
1: (laughs) Well, we know how to pick Missouri score against (laughs) Tennessee. Exactly. We nailed it. I feel like
0: I have something that I can actually go off of when I pick football scores. Like, I feel like there's some rational thought that creates my prediction. But in basketball, I have no idea what I'm doing.
1: I feel like every single game, I've I pretty much put it in the same like point parameter. Oh, it's yeah. like every single game's like somewhere in the sixty-five to seventy-five range. Yeah, that's like very easy I to never do. pick any uh, like <laughs> right. um, you know big landslide victories or anything. It's always like a five to ten point game. Anything else on these two matchups at South
0: Carolina, home against Alabama?
1: Nope, but I am really excited about just the conference season in general. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, every and game is huge every game matters and, and if you're every watching, play matters yeah
0: and if you're watching mizzou then there's probably another sec game that you could watch before after or on your phone during the game yeah there's always Just other games, games to watch going on
1: because i mean obviously every mizzou game matters for the bubble but every game in the sec matters to in some way to mizzou's season outlook
0: mm-hmm. well i've got a surprise for you now kyle
1: Ooh, I love We're gonna surprises. do another
0: episode, another segment of whatever happened to dot dot dot. Okay. And I got a good one for you.
1: Whatever happened to that Mizzou player? Yep. Whatever happened to? So you're gonna give me their guy. life before they get to Mizzou? Um, I think barely. that's what you did with Jonathan Williams. That was our a first one bit. we did. Okay. A little
0: bit of that, and then some stuff, and then some more stuff, and we'll see if you can figure out who I'm talking about. Okay. This uh, is a recurring segment where we talk about a player who probably definitely transferred at some point from Missouri. We catch back up with what they did after they left Columbia, and we put a twist on it and see if Kyle can figure out who I'm talking about before I give too much away.
1: For some reason, I feel like you're just going to stump me in this one. I don't know. We'll see. A lot, your, your, your other, your, the only one we've done is Jonathan Williams, Yeah. and it really shouldn't have been that That's, difficult, and it took put, me like, put a put little bit. It puts on the spot, though
0: well the first one wasn't a mystery we, we talked about it ahead of time okay I'm ready. Um, this guy he was the number one recruit in the state of missouri his senior year and played in 32 games as a freshman at missouri but only played 10 minutes
1: per game okay i want to hear your thoughts I definitely feel like the, the most pertinent information you could give me is the year. So you don't have to do that yet. But that would make it so much easier. It is like the year they either committed or the year they played. Because right, right now it's just like an eternity of time I'm trying to like sort through. So number one recruit in Missouri.
0: Okay. He, he transferred from Missouri after his freshman year. Do you have any names in your head so far? I'm going to give you a little bit of a helping hint right after you tell me if you have any names in your head. I just kind of want to hear where you're at.
1: I'm trying to think about some of the Kim Anderson years. Okay, let me tell you this. This player has
0: exhausted all of his college eligibility as we
1: speak right now. So he's not currently playing? Correct. Okay.
0: Because he's not eligible to play he suffered several injuries during his sophomore and junior seasons at his new school and only played a combined 34 games in those two seasons after playing 32 as a freshman at missouri so he decided to transfer again i don't even (laughs) have any idea this Um, time he was transferring as a graduate transfer who could play immediately.
1: Okay, so it's 2018, (laughs) five years ago he would've been a freshman if he exhausted his eligible, well, no, that's difficult because he transferred so many times, so it's probably more than five years ago that he was a freshman at Mizzou, which would've been 2000. At least. Dominic Bowl? (sighs) Wrong. Okay. Is it he, around the same time? Uh,
0: sort of. Okay. This I, don't know player, Dominic, but I don't know where he's <laughs> from. Uh, this player actually considered coming back to Missouri.
1: Oh. Um, Crickle? Yep. Ricky Crickle? Rick, Rick, <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: He uh, considered coming back to Missouri. He also took visits to, I think, Butler and Creighton and decided to join... Creighton for his senior year uh he averaged that. seven and a half points per game and three rebounds per game in 24 minutes in his senior year there so now that you know I I couldn't really tell you the year right ahead of time because it was a while ago yeah that was a while back and I first of all did I throw you off by saying he was the number one recruit would you, if I said Ricky Kreklo also number one recruit in the state of Missouri his senior year
1: I, no, I, pro- <laughs> I didn't know that about him. But that was he was like,
0: the fifth highest-rated player in that Missouri recruiting class. Oh,
1: wow. So wh- It yeah. also
0: included Phil Pressey and Tony Mitchell.
1: Yeah, that was probably, like, maybe one or two years before I really was, like, dialed in on recruiting, on the recruiting side of thing. So, yeah, that that, was, that was a I good was one, though.
0: I was all about that Tony Mitchell recruiting class. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, I, remember, I know now, like, that's, like, the most mythical like name (laughs) in missouri basketball recruiting ever um so yeah
0: he was one year away from actually playing for konzo martin at cal um because they moved on from their coach and hired konzo uh, as he was transferring to creighton and i read an article from when he transferred at that time saying that he did consider missouri and visited with uh cam anderson uh, he actually walked on at Creighton. I didn't. Really, I, didn't know I did that. not know that. Um, and Kim Anderson was going to offer him a scholarship. Wow, which he is interesting. Really didn't want to come back. <laughs>
1: I can't say I blame him. Yeah. And then we saw uh, Ricky Kreklo at Harpo's once, like with with <laughs> uh, crutches. Yep. And then we saw him again in Springfield, like yep. within the next year after that. And he
0: had hair down to his shoulders.
1: Yeah, he had really Ricky, long hair. if you're out
0: there, if anybody knows Ricky, and he wants to, if he's in Springfield watching uh, Missouri State Bears. You want to come on the podcast? We would be more than happy to have yeah. you get the lowdown on all the, the transfers, your time at Missouri, playing under Mike Anderson. But I wanted to ask you a question. Do you think... Me what a Ricky?
1: You, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> He's speaking directly to Ricky now. If you're out there. If <laughs> okay, you're out there, no, Kyle.
0: What if he had stayed and played his sophomore season with Frank Hayes, reconciled by Winning Tigers?
1: Well, um, he there probably would have been a spot for him because he I felt like he kind of fit that style I mean good three-point shooter mm-hmm. uh he I mean there's obviously like a little bit of backlog as far as in his position but I'm pretty sure we played like seven guys that whole year yep. so he would have had playing time for sure and he probably mm-hmm. would have would have gotten some good he wouldn't have filled minutes. the
0: Lawrence Bauer sized hole in the uh, championship hopes of that team but right um
1: good depth for yeah the like Kim English maybe or mm-hmm. Matt Denman. Cressy,
0: yeah. Well, congratulations. You got it. I didn't even have to say the word Creighton for you to figure it out. I definitely would have got it Ned
1: by that point. But <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. I kind of had to be tricky with my clues there. Yeah,
1: I, I was definitely worried I was just going to not have any idea there for a minute because uh, <laughs> nothing was coming to my mind. All right. Well, um, yes, Producer Cameron, chime in. Uh, Chiefs playoff predictions from the both of you.
0: Oh, my gosh, don't make
1: me do that. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I've been a I'm a pretty big Chiefs fan. I have I'm pretty young as you guys know, but I have witnessed the Chiefs go through some pretty scarring moments in playoff history. So, and as you guys know, one of those involved Andrew Luck and the Colts, <laughs> who they faced this very weekend. So, uh, I think that if I could just go on my soapbox here for a second. The reason we went out and got Patrick Mahomes is because, for these very moments, we've, been, we've had good regular seasons for a while with, with Alex Smith, uh, but we could never get over that hump in the, in the, uh, in the postseason. Now we, have, we, specific, uh, we, we spurned like certain consistency for someone who could put us over the top in Patrick Mahomes, and I think he can do that, and I think he's going to do that. And I think we're going to beat the Colts this weekend by seven points.
0: Wow. I also think the Chiefs are going to win this weekend. I think they're due to win a classic shootout, and I think it will be a shootout because I think it'll be incredibly similar to all four of their losses so far as far as the game flow and scores and things, but I think they'll come out on top. I don't know if I think they're going to make the Super Bowl this year. It would. It feels like they should as the one seed, mm-hmm. They're and not quite as hot as they were yeah.
1: earlier on in this year,
0: but I think it would be really cool to see them beat uh, New England in the AFC Championship game. Yep, but
1: the Colts are rolling though, so yeah. they'll they'll Colts give them a hot. good game. So Andrew Luck's really good. I'm I'm a little bit nervous, I got to say. As both most defenses most, will probably struggle. Yes, both both defenses are bad, so it'll be it'll be fun. I'm looking a lot forward of, to it. Uh, I saw
0: Chiefs fans on Twitter saying, but uh, the Chiefs have only given up 18 points per game at home at Arrowhead. Well, they played their best teams on their schedule on the road. Yep. So they did. Anyway, thanks for bringing the Chiefs up. Sure. That's all I've got. Is that all you got, Kyle? That's all I got. All right. Um, Should I tell them about our extra special stuff that we got going on? Sure. Mm -hmm. We have a special episode coming out early next week probably Tuesday, it will be a Bass Pro Shops Tournament of Champions preview. So hopefully you haven't tuned away yet. We'll, we'll let you know on Twitter as well um, that we'll be previewing the tournament. And then uh, afterwards, we'll do a post-tournament post, post uh, tournament wrap-up show. won't be nearly as long, probably, as a standard episode, but we'll let you know all the teams and the players to watch for in that. And next week, we'll be back to break down um, these two games and preview two more because it's basically two per week from here on out and Missouri not being in the, uh, um, what's it called? Big 12 sec challenge, uh, makes their schedule a little bit different than some of these other top teams. So, uh, uh, we'll keep you updated on all the basketball games. Why don't you tell them where they can find us?
1: I would, if you had given me this, Oh, I had to the keep sheet. the
0: last page secret from you.
1: Yes, you did. Also,
0: let me say something real quick. Please do. Google play music is changing how they do podcasts. You should, if the five of you that listen on Google Play Music, <laughs> you should download the Google Podcast app. So they're doing it like Apple now. Yes. Apple has Apple Podcasts, Google has Google Podcasts. It's a if, much better app. Anyway. Has it ever
1: occurred to you guys that we tell people where they can listen to our podcast when they're listening, they're listening to it? Well,
0: that's so I can tell my iPhone friends, "Hey, listen here, it's on Apple Podcasts." Okay. That. And, okay. Oh, oh, you use Spotify? Well. Guess Let me what? tell you something. You can, okay. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, for those of you listening to this podcast, uh, you can find our podcast <laughs> on iTunes, Google Play Music, shortly uh, becoming Google podcast. podcast and Spotify. You can tweet us all of your hot and cold takes and your top five Mizzou teams uh, at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week.